Welcome to the Betterism Podcast, a learning community seeking out life's unusual lessons from its unlikely places. I'm your host, Glenn Binger, author, teacher, and coach, and I'm here to help spark some collective growth. I hope you'll stick around and teach us a thing or two, but first, a few words from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Life. Life is a health and wellness brand. Um, they feature all kinds of health and wellness products. They focus mostly on supplements. They have everything from vitamin E, vitamin C, NADs, vitamin K. Personally, I'm a huge fan of their Shilajit tablets. I put some in my coffee every morning to help me think a little more clearly, process things smoothly, that sort of thing. Um, but again, they they kind of focus on all across all health and wellness products. Um, their goal is to be innovative and effective, trying to help people become less stressed, uh, more energized, and live happier lives. Um, I do also recommend checking out their podcast, Meadow Life Radio. The host and owner, Matt Blackburn, does a really great job in educating listeners and, and his audience about what supplements are right for them. Um, you can find them online at meadowlife.co. That's M-I-T-O-L-I-F e.co and if you use promo code betterism you can get 15% off all of their products and there's no restrictions there um, again that's meadowlife.co promo code betterism for 15% off please go check them out they do a really great job in educating and sharing the knowledge and i think that is a lost art this day and age meadowlife.co check them out All right. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Betterism Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn. Today's guest, we have Osho McCreesh. Osho, welcome to the show, man. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, I kind of wanted to start off uh, with one of your labels here. I think it'd be cool to kind of explore, but you know, you're a, a writer, you're a painter, you're an artist of many forms, but you also identify as a drunk poet. Would you mind caring to elaborate what you mean by <laughs> poet because that has a has a connotation for many people sure I'm sure interested in that identification so yeah so i guess for me anyways i guess the way that i think of being a drunk poet is um you know there there are certain things that happen to you i guess in life that strike you as being kind of poetic and I've noticed that when I'm drinking, those things tend to happen a little bit more than when I'm not mm. or when I was. And so um, a number of years ago, I landed on the idea of putting together a book of every single time I could remember being drunk. And of course, my friends were quick to point out all the ones that I for forgot to include. <laughs> um, yeah. And so when I did that, the, the book ended up being, you know, really, really massive. <laughs> uh, and obviously I, I forgot some of the times uh, that I would have written about otherwise. And so from there, it kind of seemed like, like I, trans I, I had transformed from just a, a, the poet I was before into, you know, kind of more like a drunk poet, I guess, because it was such a completely different uh, writing experience than I'd ever had before. Um, I wrote sure. all of the, the rough drafts for that massive book. I wrote them all in the span of about five weeks. And wow. Th yeah. And there's 146 poems in the book. And then there's like other poems that were included in like the special editions of books came with their own like 
handwritten broadside of a different poem. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's, I mean, I easily was in the neighborhood of like 170 poems in like five weeks. So, wow. Yeah, that was, and it That's was an a... amazing clip to be writing at. Never will probably do it again. Never done it before. <laughs> so, so I guess I, maybe that's part of why I started calling myself that, or, or at least on the website saying that because, because it was such a sort of formative experience. Sure. Yeah. And again, like I like I like trying to hear artists' explanations within that because you know there's many connotations, right? Like people tend to associate that with like the Bukowskis or mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the Hemingways. Right. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but I feel like there's more to it than that. Right. So that's kind of what I was trying to get at. Yeah. Um, sure. And uh, your book is um, is massive. I I had when I saw the length of it, I was like, oh, my God. But to hear that you finished all of those drafts within a time span of five to seven weeks, like yeah. that is impressive. Yeah, yeah. How did you how did you manage to to like get through that. I mean, was, were all of the experiences within five weeks and oh, seven no, weeks no, or no, no. it was, so how did know, that work? It was, it was thinking back to, so, so what happened was I had, uh, my, my now wife, I had just, uh, reconnected with and, and, you know, in the, uh, what do you want to call it? The, the, <laughs> the blushing ardor of, of a new relationship when everything yeah. is terrific. Um, it it really changed my approach to writing. And when I landed on this idea, I was like, I wonder what would happen if I wrote a poem about every time that I can remember being drunk. Um, Like, honestly, the memories just came flooding back, like almost faster than I could keep up with. And so, (laughs) you know, a lot of the rough drafts were, were almost like bullet points. Like, you know, I was here, I was doing this. I remember that I was drinking this and, and, um, and, so the, the rough drafts came really fast. And then uh, I also spent maybe about a year working on the refining of each one of them and then kind of figuring out what order they were going to go in, in, in terms of the book. Um, Cause I wanted to, I wanted to structure the book kind of like, um, mm-hmm. like a film really. Um, yeah. and, and so how it happened i like i i wish i could i wish i could explain it i wish i could tell everyone how to do it because it was really really fantastic but it was also like whatever it was was is a mystery to me i, I don't know how it happened but i'm glad it did yeah <laughs> well that's a you know again that's this part of why i wanted to have you on the show so f- first of all you and i connected um via our our mutual friend ben tanzer Mighty. who is also on the show He's the guy. He's the man. He is mighty, um, mighty Ben Tanzer. Yeah, he's a uh, a mastermind to say the <laughs> least. Um, but he, you know, he kind of linked us up, and then he, you know, he suggested like, oh, you might, you know, reach out to Osho, kind of see, you know, what you think about having him on the show and kind of stuff. Um, and then I started like perusing your work on your Instagram and and your website, and uh-huh. I, I was like, man, this guy is is talented beyond just his, you know, quote unquote identities as a writer and a painter and a a drunk poet Uh. i mean you have such an eclectic form of creativity and to me that number one it's inspiring but number two i mean there's so much to kind of dissect there because the creative process across all of those realms is not easily replicated you have i mean like every of course every medium has its own process but you know for someone like you who is so talented across all of those mediums how how do you go about approaching you know sitting down to write like 
you know, a, a book of poems versus, you know, creating one of your amazing watercolors? Like, do you have, uh, I guess what I'm asking is like, do you have like a specific process when you sit down to do a project or is it kind of just, you know, kind of flow of thought? Um, gosh, I would, I would say, I don't think that I have a specific uh, process at least not initially right um whenever whenever i get it in my head to do to do something um you know i think oh what i'm always looking for is you know I, i'm trying to do things that i haven't necessarily seen before or if it is something that i've seen before um you know i want to do it but i want to kind of put my own sort of spin on it um mm. all of the creators that i really admire from you know writers to painters to musicians like a lot of them have this thing in common, which, you know, they, they kind of made and lived by their own rules. And so I, I guess that's kind of like my, my, my guiding precept uh, is to really figure out what it is that, that I want to do. And then once I have a vision of, of something, like I know this is what I want to do, this is the kind of project that I want to make, then I, I kind of set into developing that process that you were talking about and and i think um i suppose that i'm egotistical enough to want to do everything really well and so if i start mm. doing something and it's not going well then you know obviously that stuff gets thrown away and and, and no one ever sees it yeah. so you know i i want to do whatever i'm doing i want it to to be as close to my vision you know as possible and so if I get close, then, then usually the project comes out. And if I don't get close, then it stays in the drawer for, you know, another future swipe at it or goes away forever. Like, who knows? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's that, that creative process. Uh, I'm very much like-minded in that scenario. I mean, I have, now again, my, my medium of choice is definitely writing, but I do dabble in other things. Um, and a lot of times... I find that a, a project won't see the light of day unless, you know, I, I feel like it's perfect yeah. as far as my own criteria goes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's that, var of course that varies from artist to artist, but it's always fascinating to kind of, to kind of like think about, you know, other artists and what their criteria for that might be. Mm -hmm. um, especially with a term like drunk poet. I mean, like there's, there's people out there who will, and not that there's anything wrong with this, but they'll, they'll write, poetry when they're drunk mm -hmm. and they'll just publish it without any sort of uh editing phase sure. which again that's you know it's that's their art they're allowed to do whatever they want with their <laughs> right, art right. but that seems to be the opposite of what you're trying to do with your drunk poetry um how do you how do you go about approaching that like when you write when you sit down to write your first draft right you sit at a i don't know a typewriter or a laptop how does that kind of turn from the first draft into you know, the, the final draft, what, how does that kind of transition from the phase one to phase two to phase three? Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely, it's changed over the years. I think when I, when I very first started writing, um, like I, I really felt like this kind of uh, romantic notion that, you know, if you're a writer, then you write and it comes out pure and perfect. And, you know, and if it's not right, then you just throw it away and, and, and write something else. And, it wasn't until I started working with, you know, different publishers and, and really doing, you know, taking editing a whole lot more seriously that, mm. um, that, and frankly, it, it's, it made my work better. 
you know, I, I think you, everyone does the work that they're proud of as well as they can at the time that they're doing it. And then invariably when they do stuff and they continue on, you know, years later, they look back at their first stuff and they're like, Oh, that's, that's, that wasn't very good. Um, yeah. and, and I'm certainly guilty of that. Like, you know, one of my first books, like, I don't even know if there's maybe one poem in my, in my very first book that I can even still stand. Um, and then a lot of my, my a lot of my early writings is, is, is a lot more dark. And, and mm. so, um, so it changes. And I think you, you, hopefully you change as a, as a artist or, or a writer, you know, as someone who's creating things, I, I think if you keep pushing yourself, you force yourself to change. And, um, so how, how the process works for me now, uh, with a rough draft, I'll usually, I'll usually write either freehand or, um, or type. I, I have, I have a couple of typewriters and I, I still like using typewriters to, write mm-hmm. people letters and, and, and things like that for really, really long work. Uh, I think while you can certainly do it with a typewriter, it, it makes a, uh, the editing of longer work, you know, like a, a much longer process, a much bigger process. If you, if yeah. you type it all originally, or if you, you hand write it all originally. And so for longer work, I think I, I prefer to go straight to the laptop if I can, but, um, mm. but, I, but I work in crazy ways. Like, I'll be in the middle of work and I'll have an idea. So I'll jot it down on a scrap of paper. And so, you know, I'll get home from work and I'll pull out, you know, two or three scraps of paper from my pockets and they'll mm-hmm. have a wacky little phrase on them that is, you know, sp- supposed to point me in the right direction when I sit down to write again. Um, but so, so that's what the first draft usually looks like. It kind of like quick scribbles, ver- you know, handwritten or typed. And then, when I take that stuff to the computer is when you do your first real, your first real edit on it. And then, um, sure. and then probably refine a bit, um, till it, till it feels like you've taken out everything you don't need and, and you're not missing anything that you do. And yeah, then, then maybe you just call it done and, and move on to the next. I love that. And I think the, the act of looking back at like your older work, um, there's, there's like a hidden inspiration kind of in that or a hidden motivation, I guess. Like, cause I do that too. Mm-hmm. I definitely look back at some of my old work. Um, sometimes I'll even go back and like, I'll try to keep editing yeah. it, even though it's been published, you right, know, right. but then at the same time, I'll go back and I'll look at some of my old work and kind of say like, Oh, that was so cringy. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, you know, that's who I was at that time in my yeah. life. And yeah, yeah. that's part of the evolution as an artist, right? Like as you, and that goes across mediums, right? Like as you evolve as an artist, your art is going to evolve naturally alongside of that. And I think there's there's like value in looking back at some of your old stuff, um, either to say like, that was garbage. I can't believe I put that out in the world. Or like you said, like, you know, maybe you look back and you find like that one hidden gem mm-hmm. that was in there and you're like, I want to try to replicate that and make it better. And maybe take like, you know, like a seed from the one poem and kind of start a new poem based off of it. Yeah, no, um, I think that's certainly, that's certainly the, the value. There's a, there's an additional value to looking back. Um, in particular, if, if you've been the kind of person who, you know, when you finish a project, I think there's this, this moment of truth when you finish a project where, you know, you, you're about to click, you know, submit to somewhere or, 
you're, mm-hmm. you're working on your final edits with, with, you know, an editor or whatever. And th- this moment of truth that you have where you're like, is this the very best I can do at this moment? Um, mm. and, and for me, I, I think that, you know, even with the early, the early stuff that, that I look at now, and, and like you said, sort of cringe at, um, I, I honestly feel like when that moment of truth comes, I, I, I always feel like this was the best I could do at the moment. And and so yeah. that, that kind of, it lets you off of the hook of that, that cringing part of it. And, <laughs> and it, it becomes just sort of like, okay, well, this is, this is more like, this is more like, you know, not just a bibliography, but this is a, a roadmap to where I was as a person, uh, where I was as a, as an artist. And so for me, I, I don't really want to, you know, aside from like a stray typo here or there, I don't want to change anything after that moment of truth has been had, you know? Uh, yeah. I, I want to leave it the way it was and I warts and all just to, to say, look, you know, if it's bad now, then it's bad. But that's that was the best that I could do at the time. I know that because I, you know, I had that moment of truth with myself before mm-hmm. before I clicked send or before, you know, I approved whatever. So uh, so that that's really important to me. Like, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of temptation to compromise the things that you do, um, the kind of the further and further along you go. Um in particular, when it comes to like you know wanting to um, wanting to prove yourself as a as a writer, as a creator, as as an artist of some kind, uh, there's temptation is is at every turn to you know to take shortcuts to um, to accept you know less than your best. Uh, I mean, there there's this kind of impatience that powers you know wanting to be wanting to be taken seriously as an artist but if you compromise like you actually just you don't get any closer to to accomplishing that and so yeah again it's it's it feels like a moment of truth for me like right before you are saying that you are done with the thing like asking yourself am i am i actually done with this thing and and if you're not done with it yet then you you can't you can't do it you can't you can't put it out there yet and so um, th- so that to me is, is, is really important as, as a creator is, is to, is to avoid compromise, um, if, if at all costs. And, and I think, I think it's possible. I think nobody should have to compromise. Um, and yet I understand the temptation. Lots of, lots of folks want to you know, work with the right press or they want to do this, they want to do that. Mm. They want to be published in a certain magazine and the editors say, well, you know, change this, this, and this, or, or, you know, we don't like this title or whatever. And, and I, I think for me anyways, in particular where I am now, like I, I don't want to be in a situation where compromise is even a question. And so that's why I've kind of fallen into doing a whole lot of stuff myself. Um, sure. Um, and that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of where I was going to go with this uh, next anyway. So that's a good yeah. transition, but I mean, uh, there's that, you know, as an artist, like you have to set that, I say you, but I mean like artists mm-hmm. in general, like you want to try to set that, that bar for yourself, right? Cause you're always, especially if you're working in the quote unquote industry, you're always going to have other people 
there's always some, there's going to be criteria that they set mm-hmm. for you, right? In order to publish with this press, it has to have X, Y, and Z. In order to, you know, your art to be accepted into this magazine or this, you know, film company, whatever it is, you have to do X, Y, and Z, right? But as an artist, like there's, there's definitely need, you have to have like your own boundary, your own, uh, your own set of criteria there to kind of say, like you said, yes, I'm done with mm-hmm. this thing. I'm, I'm finished. I'm, I'm ready to move on to the next. Um, cause it's, it, that's definitely a challenging, it's a challenging kind of mindset to kind of work through that, that art of compromise, especially when you're working with another, uh, a press, a, a company who's trying to, you know, they have their own, their own agenda that they have to work through, you know, to establish their own audience. For right. Sure. So that being said, um, how did that transition kind of take place for you from, you know, working in the publishing versus the self-publishing mm-hmm. or the DIY. How did you kind of manage that transition? Are you still kind of working in both or you've, have you kind of started to lean towards self-publishing more? Do you have any yeah, thoughts there? Yeah, well, so, uh, so how it happened is, well, I think one of the advantages of being in New Mexico where, you know, no one really cares what I'm doing over here um you know, <laughs> no one in no one in big publishing in new york you know cares cares at all about you know some some dude in in albuquerque that no one on the west coast you know the the publishing industry mm-hmm. as a whole is, is you know this this giant this giant business and you know all the states in the middle of yeah. the coasts you know that you, yeah you, you got to be new york yeah, or la you, everything else yeah, doesn't matter <laughs> and so even if something else did matter, like New Mexico is way down on the list. And so, um, you know, so I, I've been, I've been writing in the small press for probably well, for over 20 years now. And, you know, that's, you mentioned Bukowski earlier. That was one of the things that like right after college, I was just astonished to find, you know, that, that the small press, um, uh, you know, that, that people can come out of the small press and, um, Mm-hmm. and and build themselves a career and and i loved looking at you know all of the like early publications that bukowski had like in the mid 60s early 60s you know these little yeah. presses that it's were different. like we're going to do like a letterpress broadside or we're going to do like this you know this really great art book and and so so for me just being in the small press early on i, I kind of i kind of zeroed in on some of the small presses that were similar to those like Lujan press and, and these, these other, you know, fifties and sixties and seventies small press outfits that were doing, you know, things that were above and beyond just like a copy staple fold kind of zine thing. Uh, They, they were, you know, using letterpress, they were doing all kinds of stuff. And so, you know, presses like bottle of smoke press um, uh, X-ray books, uh, they're, they're mm-hmm. you know, Johnny Bruton at, at X-Ray Book Company is really, he does great stuff too. My friend Bill Roberts at Bottle of Smoke. There's a bunch of uh, cool presses over in the UK, like like Tangerine Press. Anyways, like, so that's mm-hmm. what I'm drawn to now in terms of presses that I want to work with. Like, I want to work with, with presses, big or small, that do things like that. Um, and... I mean, I understand publishing as a business is this kind of mashup of uh, of art and commerce. Like, 
a publisher, if they bring sure. you on, they, they need to make money from whatever they're doing with your stuff. And, and mm-hmm. I don't, I don't enjoy that, uh, that kind of anxiety to that. Crisis. Like every time somebody published me, even in the small press, like I would be haunted until like the project broke even. Um, it would, it would really, yeah. I, I, I mean, I felt almost unworthy in a way. I didn't want anyone to ever lose money on like, taking a chance on my work. And so that, that played into a DIY notion where like, if I'm going to, if someone's going to lose money on it, it's going to be me. Like I don't mind losing my shirt on something because when I let it out the door. I know for a fact that it's the best that I, and if it doesn't, if it doesn't go, then it, it doesn't go, but you know, I'll still be okay. But the idea of crippling a small right. press that had, you know, that, that took a chance on, had the courage to take a chance in your work, and then you somehow bankrupt them, and they they can't do anything anymore. Like that's that's anxiety provoking for me. So, so I just don't want to do that. I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to kill any press. And so, in terms of like, like smaller or or smallish presses that that maybe don't land on either one of the coasts. Um, you know, there's presses like $2 radio, um, that are, mm-hmm. they're, they're striking a nice balance between the business of publishing and still, still putting out like work that I think is, um, uh, courageous and, and, and takes bigger risks than, than maybe, you know, they, they take in New York and LA. So, Yeah. And I always, you know, for me, I, so I graduated uh, college around the time that like blogging mm-hmm. was starting to explode. So I, I you know, I kind of discovered uh, $2 radio in that mm-hmm. time time period. And I realized they were around before that. But um, I, I was fortunate enough. I had a, a really good professor, Mickey Hess, if anyone's ever read him, who acknowledged um that there was more to publishing than just mm-hmm. the traditional mm-hmm. route. You know, I, you know, I had a lot of professors who um, tried to show me the ropes or tried, you know, show their students the ropes of traditional publishing, how to write cover letters and, and all that stuff. But, you know, with, with Hess, he kind of showed us the other side of that. And the fact that there are these smaller presses and smaller publishing houses that are willing to, experiment more and dabble along the lines of of art and push buttons and try to try new things you know at the same time of course trying to you know support themselves and make money on it and you know i that was one of those things like i once i discovered two dollar radio that opened a whole nother door for me as far as my Mm -hmm. my own art went um looking at different uh, presses, different publishing houses, even different methods and ways to publish things. I mean, the fact now you have two dollar radio, right. they have like a storefront, right? And they host well, you know, before COVID, they used to host like yeah, right. readings and things like that. Um it it kind of sparked an inspiration in me, and I'm sure with others, that kind of pushed and changed my own art. Even though like I've never tried to submit mm-hmm. anything to two dollar radio, right? But seeing what they were doing and seeing that they were able to sustain themselves and that I wasn't alone. There were other artists out there who were experimenting in that DIY realm, you know, and, and finding success and, you know, uh, making 
some money on it like that to me kind of shifted the way that i i view art and publishing right. and the industry right because there is like you said there's room for that like mm-hmm. quote unquote little guy in there um not to say that it's easy because <laughs> you know making money on right. writing is definitely not easy but you know in the internet realm especially these days where you know you have like you said you have uh, publishers who can there's there's two sides to that right like you have publishers who are just gonna they'll turn out anything because they you know they'll take they don't care what their their perspective is they'll just kind of publish stuff you know this insta poetry and all that stuff but then you also have publishers who are super selective and they want they want to maintain their image right and like kind of use um, use the submissions to kind of build that audience and kind of keep that image on a pedestal almost. And I, I say that, and I know that has a negative connotation. I don't mean for it to sound negative, but in a sense like that, that is inspiring to me as an artist, because that shows me like I can experiment with things and there are, there's an audience for it. There's an art, there's an audience out there that wants to see different forms of writing, different forms of poetry, different forms of painting and, and, and multimedia. Um, I mean, even the fact that like $2 radio has the storefront and they also publish the books, like to me, that's like, that's awe inspiring there. You can, you can do this. You can, you can create different sides of your art and it can succeed as long as you are putting your true authentic self into it. A hundred, does that make sense? A million percent. You know, I think that you, you nailed it right at the end there. Authenticity is, is the key. And this sort of, you know, having yeah. having an uncompromised vision, I think, is is the key is to for to have your work stand out, to to have it be very different than anything anyone else can do. It has to it has to be yours, and and I think that yeah. the genius of Two Dollar Radio is that they knew that early on. And they, they, you know, every time yeah. they gathered a book, you know, I, for years in, in their branding, they would say, uh, say something to the tune of like, no, no wasted bullets. Meaning, you know, if they took on a project, it was one that they wholeheartedly believed in and they knew it was, you know, part of what they were trying to accomplish that, that it fit, it fit right in. And, and so you, you mm-hmm. end up with this, um, even if you can't necessarily, uh, you know, verbalize it, you end up with this very specific kind of editorial slant or editorial feel. And, um, you know, as long as all the books that you're doing fall into that, it becomes, you know, as, as loud as, as loud as a brand can be really. Um, and, and so I, I, I think all of us as creators, we, if we arrive at our best selves, it's because we have the courage to do the things that, that we want to do as well as we can and, and to avoid compromise if possible. And, and that's the only thing that I think, I mean, I think that people can see that they can see when, you know, if, if a press is out there and they're just trying to, publish whatever they can just as a a quick kind of money grab. They think this is a, this is a thing that's going to sell, or this is a thing that's hot right now, or this or whatever. I mean, I I think that's how you end up with, you know, this feel for, for the press overall that, that feels a little, 
disjointed or you know there's like some dissonance in yeah. their their sort of editorial approach um and and i think the same sort of thing happens with much bigger publishing houses you know the the bigger the bigger the publisher the the more varied the projects that they take on and do you know it ends up being like this kind of just so much uh, there's so many things in such a shallow pond that that it is all just a wash um and so mm. you know you i i look for in terms of people to work with i look for presses that have their own kind of bright and distinctive voice um and and those are are folks that you know when i have a project ready to submit those are the ones that i'll, I'll look at um but you know other than that in particular if i feel like it's a thing that isn't it's a hard sell like unfortunately i think a lot of the things that i do are kind of a hard sell um like the novel that i put out i was an impossible sell you know i gave myself a i gave myself a chance you know to submit it to to presses uh and you know try to try to get an agent and those sort of things but even the whole the whole time mm -hmm. that i knew like while i was doing it i knew you know they're not going to like the first line they're not going to like the title they're going to tell you to change this this and this and so in in the end you know the, this moment of truth that i'm talking about when i arrived at that moment of truth with with the novel um i knew i knew that look people aren't going to be able to make money on this you won't be able to make money on this but this is the book that you wanted to write so put it out your own way, do it your own way. And, and that, that really kind of kicked yeah. me into high gear. Um, that's when I, I got determined. I sat down and started scraping together money to buy my own ISBNs. And, and now I've got, you know, I've got a clutch of ISBNs that are all mine that I can do whatever I want with. And so, yeah. So when it comes to, if I have a project and I'm, and I want to submit it somewhere, I'm going to hunt down the presses that I really like and I'm going to try them. Um, and if that doesn't go, that's cool. I'll, I'll just put it out myself. You know, that's kind of where, I, where I'm at. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, I think the key word you said there too is like courage, right? Like there's a, so uh, courage and authenticity, I feel like have, they go hand in hand, especially when it comes to um, the art realm, right? Like you have to have, first of all, you have to have courage to create the art itself, but then to do it in an authentic way and to have the courage to um, submit it to different places and let them critique it and, you know, risk that mm -hmm. notion of failure or rejection. I mean, that's not easy to do, but it's also necessary if you want to put it out into the world. Right. I mean, like I, I, I'm in the same boat right now. Like I'm, I'm working on a novel and the deeper I get into it, I think I'm on my, finishing my mm -hmm. second round of edits right now the deeper i get into it the more i realize i'm like this is going to be so hard <laughs> to sell mm -hmm. this is going to be really difficult like it's i'm i'm blending so many genres and i'm i'm using a lot like a lot of prose where i know like you know when you're writing novels you want to try to avoid prose mm -hmm. poetic language and stuff but at the same time like if i'm getting rid of those things it's removing the authenticity that's within the project itself and I, as an artist, like, I don't 
want to do that because that's part of the project. Like I want, mm-hmm, I'm putting that mm-hmm. in there intentionally, right? Like I'm, yeah, it's an incomplete sentence, but that's because I'm trying sure. to make a point with that sentence. You know what I'm saying? And it's tough because you have to have the courage to number one, make that art, but then number two, try to put it in somebody else's hands. And at the same time, to go back to what you said before, like y- you want to take care of the press itself too. Like you don't want to bankrupt them because right. they took a chance on you, you know? So it's kind of one of those things. It's like, you know, at a certain point, like, all right, you got enough rejections. Like I'm just going to put this out into the world myself mm-hmm. and kind of see where it goes. Like I'm ready yeah, to move yeah. on to the next project. And I think that's the beauty with, with self-publishing now. I mean, it, it definitely gets frowned upon because you have everyone and their mother like putting something online without editing right. or without putting thought into it. But at the same time, you have these authentic artists putting things out on Kindle or you know the, the print-on-demand that Amazon mm-hmm. or Barnes & Noble does. And they're, they're trying. They're putting that art out there and they, they're taking that courage to apply their authenticity to the world. And it's not easy because, you know, again, everyone can do it. So it's, it's difficult to find and sort through and filter out the garbage, but it's possible. It's, it's not impossible. And I think that's the key is like recognizing that you can do this, but you have to kind of, like we said, like you kind of have to set that criteria for yourself in order to contribute to the community. Which yeah, is difficult. I think that that, that is uh, that, that circles back to that moment of truth that that setting a high bar for yourself and and demanding of yourself that you reach it before you let a project out the door. Um, you know, I think that that's that's key. That's key to 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 being to to living a sort of uncompromised artistic life uh, is setting the bar high mm. and doing your very best to get there, um, and and. And I, and I honestly believe that if you are, if you're able to do that, when it comes, when it comes down to the, the idea of success, which is another thing that, that really, um, crosses people up. Um, and I, I think, yeah, you know, there's this absolutely. wanting to be successful is, is one of the, the things that leads to, you know, compromising your vision and compromising what it, what it is you set out to do, you know, in the hopes of, of, you know, garnering some kind of like sales or, or money or acclaim or whatever. Um, sure. And, and that's, that's the stuff that it's, it's, you might as well just be laying a, a minefield to come step in later, you know, uh, you know you, <laughs> if you yeah. compromise and then you're like wildly successful, like, what does that, what does that do for you in the future? Like you're, you're, so you're all set to do, do it over and over and over again. Um, and so I, I guess, I guess the idea of success is one that people should maybe from the jump actually kind of really spend some time figuring out what success looks like to them. And that's a thing for me when yeah. I was younger. Uh, I, I, I don't think I was especially uh, thoughtful about what it was. I just thought, well, you know, you just send your work out and then, and then, you know, someone publishes it and then next thing you know, you're a writer and, and and maybe that that happens for some people but i don't think i don't think that's what usually happens and and it was you know years into writing that that i had to think and rethink and rethink well you know what does success look like for me just for me um 
knowing that I'm in New Mexico, knowing that I'm not going to, you know, bump into an editor on a subway or, you know what I mean? Like, there's just not, there's not the same mm-hmm. kind of infrastructure mm-hmm. here, you know, in my town, uh, you know, book, book publishing or, or, or book industry infrastructure. And so what does success look like for me? You know, they, they say, if you want to be, you know, taken seriously as a writer, you have to be in LA or New York. And I'm not going to those places. Like I love, I, lo- I love Albuquerque. I'm, right. I'm not going anywhere, but here, you know, you know, may- maybe Europe, yeah. I moved to Europe because Europe is, is a heck of a lot of fun too, but, but Albuquerque is always going to be my home. Mm-hmm. So, um, so success has to look different for me because just because of, you know, because of geography, if, if not other things as well. And so figuring out what success looked like and felt like for me, uh, and, and it's, and it being this notion of whatever choices I'm making, I'm making for artistic reasons, not for reasons of commerce. Like that, that to me is what, how you avoid compromise. You know, you're talking about your, the novel that you're working on and, and whether or not to keep some of the, you know, fanciful prose, you know, in, in a novel that's, that's got like strong genre handles or whatever to it that would, you know, the genres in particular would maybe frown on that, like making your choice artistically as opposed to like cutting stuff um, because of, because I want it to sell, I need this to sell, you know, that, that, that to me is, right. If you, if you make choices based on commerce, you're going to have to live by, you know, the, the brutality of, uh, of the free market and, and of capitalism. But if you, if you make choices yeah. based on your own artistic uh, intent and integrity, then no matter what happens, you know, the people that respond to your work, um, they're responding to it because, because there's something authentic that they recognize in it or because it's something that not everyone can do or, this is a, a book or, or, you know, a project that not everyone uh, would ever think of to make. And, and, and I think, you know, as you, you build up a readership, that's what folks come to expect from a creator is, um, you know, not necessarily the same thing day, you know, project to project, but the same spirit project to project, which is, you know, this yes. is, this is a person the thing that I respond to in their work is, you know, whatever it is, it, it feels authentic to me. And, and I think that's important. Like all the artists that I really like, you know, from long dead artists to folks working today, um, they're, they're all very much doing their own thing and, 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 and they're doing things that, that only they could do. Like you, you can recognize it in their work and, and, to me, what else do you have? I mean, we only have X amount of time on this planet. You get X amount of years to create stuff. Um, and are you really going to feel good about, uh, I mean, I don't know, like, like making, making some book that gets popular because it's, because it's the time for it or because the, the market, the market seemed to seem to suggest that, books about the coronavirus are going to be a hot sell right now. So I got to write one of those. Like, yeah, like, right. are you really going to be happy with that in the end? And, and I know that I wouldn't, maybe other people would, but I know that I wouldn't. And so, so I just say, I have to find another way. I got to do, I got to do my own thing, you know? 
Mm-hmm. And I think those two things, the, the success and authenticity are so deeply entwined in each other, right? Like, you know, authenticity, first of all, this comes up on the podcast a lot, right? Like that a lot of people have, have kind of voiced similar notions with that. Um, but I think the two things are so closely related, but also seemingly mm-hmm. invisible, all right? Like you have to have, like you said, like you, before you start anything, you have to kind of have that uh, that your own definition mm-hmm. of what success is to you, because that that's that's going to tie into your goal, right? Whatever the project is or the long term goal is, like you have to kind of figure out what the success means to you. And it's you know that's that's definitely a buzzword right now because of things that are happening um, across the globe. But it, the the authentic piece has to, you have to apply that to yourself as well as your project, right? Like, are you are you being authentic with the thing you're trying to accomplish? Are you, or are you, like you said, are you doing right. it just because it's a buzzword right now? Are you, right. are you writing about COVID and mask wearing and, and, and racial injustice? Are you writing about those things because that, right. that's what's in the news right now? Or are they, mm-hmm. are they true and dear to your heart? Right. Cause I, the, the notion that keeps coming up whenever this conversation comes up on the podcast is that people can recognize authentic art, authentic, uh, I guess just personalities and relationships that people can recognize that even yeah. without being able to vocalize it. So they might not be able to verbalize the fact that they can recognize it, but they can pick up on it almost like it's another sense, yeah, like it's a sure. sixth sense. Right. Um, and I can definitely, I can definitely relate to what you were saying about your, your, your spot on the map right now. I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. in New Jersey. I'm by the ocean. I'm Jersey shore based. Um, and that it's tough because you know, yes, I'm close to like Philly and I'm close to New York and I can go and like, I can go into the city Mm -hmm. and meet with an agent if I wanted to. But at the same time, like that doesn't really fit my own personal Mm -hmm. definition of success. Um, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to eradicate, first of all, the misconception that Jersey Shore is kind of come about to thanks to MTV and that whole garbage television show. Cause it's, that's (laughs) (laughs) right. Exactly. So you can, you can feel it. It's like, it's, you're trying to like break down that barrier, but you're also trying to like own it like that. Like to me, living here sure. is a sense of my identity, right? Like I, I entered my twenties and like, I kind of realized like, yeah, writing is close to my heart and stuff, but I wanted to kind of start expanding my quote unquote mm-hmm. Bing Bang Co empire, right. To the point where like I started betterism and the podcast and the blog. Um, I tried curating mm-hmm. a, a reading series. We call it Stories by the uh-huh. Sea because we're right near the ocean here. Um, and it, it's trying, I'm trying to like take ownership of that. Like I'm trying to take ownership of my own definition of success in that realm. And it's definitely not easy. I mean, that's not something you're going to just do overnight. But, you know, that it takes a lot of self-defining and applying that authentic role to yourself as well as your art and the industry. So let me ask you, how does this, how does this idea cross over for you between your different mediums? I mean, you do watercoloring. I, I watched a few of your, your videos on poetry. Um, you, you have artistic talent beyond just poetry. So how does that, that transition, how does that, how does that affect your different mediums there? Do you kind of apply different techniques for different things or is it all kind of just whatever you're feeling, that's how you're going to go with it. I think when it comes to, so 
I've done writing. I've done writing, sort of tried to do serious writing the longest. And I think a lot of the lessons that I have learned through the years, uh, I've, I've, you know, then you've built up this kind of muscle memory of, you know, what to expect at the beginning of trying to do something different. Um, and so, um, you know, like as a painter, for instance, watercolors, you know, oil paints, um, there's the sort of artistic, um, God, what do you want to say? Like, like the artistic code that you've arrived at through the other things that you've done. And, mm -hmm. and I think you absolutely have to, um, you trade on the lessons that you've already learned. So otherwise you're just going to like, you know, repeat that sort of stuff in a whole different medium. And so, so for me, yeah. I think, I mean, and maybe it's, maybe it's like a control thing, but, but really for me, it feels like a, a an avoiding compromise kind of thing. Um, when it comes to painting, when it comes to uh, making collage, when it comes to doing whatever, like, I guess my rule of thumb is I'm going to work with people that, um, that I feel are like-minded, um, if, if they want to work with me and, and if I don't have, if I don't have any sort of opportunity, like, you know, I, I, I've never been able to hang paintings anywhere. Um, you know, cause frankly, I haven't done enough all in, in one, all in one shot to have a big body of work waiting to be hung somewhere. You know, I, I just kind of, Mm -hmm. I work on things and then, you know, if it's for someone, then it's out the door before, you know, before I could hang it anywhere or whatever. Um, and so when it comes right. to painting and things like that, it's like, okay, well, find places that you, that you would be honored to work with and, and try them. And if it doesn't go, then, then just do it yourself, find a way to do it yourself. And, you know, that's like at my website, you know, you can buy original paintings and stuff from me at the website because I'm, you know, I don't have any connections at galleries. I, I, I think my time is better spent doing artistic things than it is out there, you know, shaking hands or trying to, you know, meet the right person to make the right sort of thing happen. Like, um, I mean, be, sure, it, sure. be it painting, be it publishing, be it whatever. Like, I, I guess being, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm 48 and so um, part of being where I, I am in terms of life itself, like feeling like, okay, well, I'm, I'm over the hump. And now, you know, now, you know, my days are going to be shorter than they, than they were when I was, you know, 20. Um, I, I guess I just feel like there's, there's less time to squander and doing things myself is mm -hmm. a way to get them done because, and and this is a recent revelation for me. Uh, I'm seeing revelation for me is that I am better working on whatever is next than I am kind of um, ruminating on you know why whatever I just finished isn't isn't like isn't selling more or you know isn't making enough waves. Um, mm. And and so I think yeah, yeah. the speed at which I do things. Um, being able to do them myself is going to be very important for me. Um, and the idea that I'm better working on whatever's next than I am worrying about, you know, whatever, whatever I'm, I'm done with, um, 
I, I, it's a, a reality that, you know, having realized this, you know, it's something that I have to uh, stay, stay committed to then and say, look, you know, your time is better spent working on something new. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't imagine my, you know, my natural instincts as like a businessman, if there is, if you even want to call me that are, are terrible. Like I, <laughs> whatever the business world would say, like my, my approach is the opposite. Um, you know, I, you know, so I want to, I want to pause and, and kind of highlight that because I think, so first of all, I, I feel like I totally mm-hmm. align with you there. I feel like I've, I've always kind of naturally gravitated to the self publishing and, and mm-hmm. DIY because of that. I'm a little, I'm a little younger than you. So I'm 33, but uh, you know, I, again, I, I kind of graduated college when like blogging and, and, and online presses right, yeah. kind of were starting to explode. And I, I found when I was younger and my work was definitely not as good as it is now, not that it's great, but it was definitely worse. Um, I, I found that I was, I like waste, I was wasting time writing these cover letters and submitting and trying to edit and fix this one piece mm-hmm. to try to get it accepted somewhere and it got to the point where like I would be so frustrated that I, I just said like, screw it. I'm going to publish this on my blog yeah. because I'm ready to move on to the next thing and start this next project. And I feel like so often that goes against the advice that you see everywhere or hear everywhere is like, you know, you want to like try to focus on this one project so much and try to try to right. hone in on the marketing side of it and make sure you're the cover letter is so perfect. And, you know, your agent is getting the the contract correct and stuff like that and it's like yes that's important in a sense but at the same time like is it really worth like you said spending your finite amount of time doing that when the thing that's closest right. to your heart is the art itself right, not right. not the business side of it and i mean i don't know if that's just you know uh yeah. the, the inner punk in me you know like the the do it yourself just get it over with doesn't matter if it's good or bad or if that's just a result of what the, I guess, society or artistic community kind of pushed for as a result of like yeah. finance and, and capitalism, right? Like I, I've, I've been having this inner debate, uh, this inner monologue for, I would say at least the last 10 years in my mind is like, I, I'm making art because I'm trying to express mm-hmm. my, my human condition, my my sure. postmodern view of the world and i it doesn't i'm not doing it to gain any kind of attention i'm doing it because it, it's inside of me and it needs to come out and if you don't like it like you don't have to like yeah. it i'm not i'm not trying to force it down your throat if you do like it that's great i love it awesome right, like i right. you know connect with me but i don't i don't know if that's like shooting myself in the foot or if that's just you know i, I don't view the financial side of it, the way that, a, you, yeah. like you said, a quote unquote businessman <laughs> should. So, I mean, how, how do you, how do you kind of tackle that mindset and kind of not get overwhelmed by it and let yourself continue to make your art? Do you have any advice there? Do you have any tips or tricks? I mean, this is, this is, sorry, <laughs> listeners, this might just be for me, but Ocho, do you have, do you have any advice there you on know, how to I like overcome that mindset? If there's, if there's a thing that's been useful for me, there are two things that have been useful for me and I never would have known it when I was young, but uh, you know, when I was young, I, you know, I thought that, you know, you just, you just, 
you know, you live, you live for your art and your art is all you really care about doing. Like, and if you get a job, you know, just a regular old day job or whatever, that you're a fucking sellout. Um, that's what I used to think when I was young. And what I, what, what I came to find out was having a regular day job and having like reliable income afforded me the opportunity to do things the way that I wanted to do them, to do them in an uncompromised way. And, and so, um, so I don't think there's anything wrong with like having a day job and, and keeping it completely separate from what you're trying to accomplish artistically. Like that to me feels like a great way to bankroll your dreams. Like at, at, you know, it's a little bit of money to you and that is it. And that is a small price to pay. Um, to be able to do something artistically that, that you feel you have to do. Um, and I think that the, the other thing, uh, that has helped, uh, or, or the other advice that I would give is to expect absolutely nothing to come of any of the efforts that you make on this planet. And if you expect nothing, Mm. anything beyond nothing is like a pleasant surprise. And so, you know, maybe it's kind of a dark, uh, pale blue dot kind of look at the world and, and look at our own, like, you know, existence. <laughs> but, you know, there's there's a huge part of me that, that thinks whatever we do on this planet, whatever humans have accomplished from the beginning until the time that we're all gone, um, all of it is going to be eaten up by the sun eventually anyways. And so, like really do do you want to spend your days honing the perfect cover letter like like no i mean i i think right. that if i had if i had arrived at this even sooner than i than i did then i would have i would have done and created e- even more by now than i have um I, I think this notion of you know being hung up on success and and not figuring out what success for me was at the beginning cost me cost me some time it cost me some projects it cost me some uh, some of whatever i would have learned doing those things and so um so yeah so i guess you know again maybe this is part of being middle-aged or or being closer to the end than the beginning but like i I just don't want to i don't want to worry a whole lot about it i mean i think there's the creating of the thing there's the making of the thing once you've you're you're ready to actually create the you know the the product of it or mm-hmm. uh, finish the project you know get it into the physical realm instead of just the imaginary realm and then the the last step the selling of the thing and like I just I barely have I barely have time for that last step anymore and and I think that you know, having yeah. my own website and selling stuff, you know, myself that way. Like if you buy a book from me, like I'm the one that mails it to you, you know, uh, um, I, that's not like right. I've got a warehouse somewhere or anything like I'm the one that does it. And, and, and that to me is, it's, it's more rewarding to be that involved with, you know, whatever, whatever sales I make, you know, I can, I can personalize them. And I think, like as as someone who who buys things like that's one of my guiding precepts is what is it when i buy something that i that i really like um you know when i get the package and there's a little note that says like you know thanks for supporting my work or whatever like that to me is someone taking that that extra step that really matters and and so that's what i try to do with my own stuff is 
I try to make the thing that if I was the person that bought it and I opened it, that I would be delighted by. So, um, that, that to me seems like the, the right way yeah. to do stuff. And again, that's the polar opposite of what a businessman would tell you. A businessman would tell you like you want a giant warehouse and you want to be shipping, you know, hundreds of thousands of books and none of them are going to be signed. <laughs> yeah. None of them are ever going to be touched by you because you're in the business of making money, not giving a shit what, you know, someone who bought your book thinks about you. And, and that's, it's, it's just, I'm a yeah. bad businessman because that doesn't make any sense to me at all. <laughs> I'm, I am so with you there. Um, I, I, I feel like when I try to support artists, I, I do the same thing because I, I like getting and by buying an art directly from the artist. And then also like seeing that little thank you note, it, it hits you in the gut in a different yeah. way than if yeah, you just yeah. ordered the book off Amazon. You know what I mean? And I try to do the same thing too. Like when someone buys one of my books um, directly from me, it's like, I'm going to throw in the extra goodies. I'm going to throw in the extra zine that I have. I'm going to throw a little thank you note, some stickers, things like that. It's like, right, exactly. you're, you're not going to get that from Jeff Bezos, <laughs> you know? And I feel like I, as a consumer, I appreciate that. And I want to pass that love along to whoever's willing enough to support my art because I, I want them to know that I am extremely grateful for that. And I feel like that, like you said, it's the complete exactly. opposite of what the business tells you to do, <laughs> which is like bonkers. Cause like in, I mean, just as, as humans, you, th we thrive better when we acknowledge right. the gratitude and we embrace the growth yeah, we, you can't in be that realm. Alone. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, we're falling, right. You're like falling victim to the dollar exactly. instead of like the human, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. So let me ask you, has this growth, has this transformed your personal life? Like, has it bled from the creative art, you know, selling of art? Has that bled over into your personal life at all? Has it affected the way that you see things, experience your relationships with family and friends and things um, like that? Do you see a difference gosh, there? God. Or have you that's, always lived your life like question. that too? I don't, um, I don't know. I mean, I think that, I think that I've, I've always pretty much been this way. But if there is a thing that is new, um, I, I think the thing that is new is this kind of like the notion of this giant like uh, time clock in the sky that's ticking down and wanting to really um, mm. wanting to really just get the, you know, get the best out of every every moment, spend your time doing the things that are the most rewarding um, you know, having, having deep and meaningful conversations with people that are, that matter, that matter the most to you and, and not getting wrapped up in like any of the, the, the petty business of being human. Um, maybe, I mean, I think I've always been that way, but, but it's, I think as you get older, you, you start to recognize the, the value of these, these kinds of things a little more. Um, hopefully you do anyways. Uh, I think that's what the, it, it's a kind of wisdom that you, mm -hmm. that you acquire as you age, I think like what to appreciate and then how to recognize things are good when they're good. Um, uh, I think that's something that I didn't necessarily have when I was younger that I, that I do have now. Um, when I was younger, I was kind of like a dark and brooding kind of yeah. uh, grumpy guy who clearly went out drinking a lot because I have a whole giant book of drunk poems. But um, 
but I, I don't, <laughs> I mean, but for, but for the way the world feels right now, you know, if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic and if we weren't uh, kind of suffering a, a lot of a really uh, complicated feelings and reactions to lots of stuff that's happening. Um, I mean, I think I am on the whole, I'm, I'm much more able to appreciate the good things and uh, recognize when they're happening uh, than I, than I was when I was younger. Hopefully that answers the question. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I, I definitely reflect that as well. Um, like it's one of those things, like if I could go back and like yeah. slap my younger self, you know, yeah. like it's what I totally would not to say that I regret it because I feel like those experiences definitely helped shape who I am today. But at the same time, it's like, I wish I could have found more things like gratitude earlier in my life than I have it now. Not to say that yeah, I'm a master yeah. at it cause I'm, I'm still learning, but right. Like being able to like recognize that a little earlier in life, I feel like I would have, um, I would have grown more in different realms. And again, I don't regret it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like a, it would have been nice to right. like there, recognize so those there's things. A, as by so. way of, um, I, I suppose this is kind of like a metaphor. Uh, when I was younger, I was tremendously competitive. Uh, and my brother and my cousins who I grew up with, like they'll all tell you, they can all tell you if they ever beat me at a game at all. Like they, they can tell you, like they can count like on, <laughs> on probably on one hand, Oh, I beat Osho at this and I beat Osho at that. But like when I was a kid, I just, I just had this thing where I just refused to lose. And, and after having an epith uh, epiphany about that later in life, I was like, God, that's just so ugly and pointless and terrible. Like, why did, why didn't, why didn't I just let them win every now and again? And, and so I feel very much the same way. Like, yeah, it's, it's a kind of regret. Like you can't go back and change it. It's a thing that made you who you are as a person. But if I had it to do over again, like you said, slap yourself or, or, or grab your younger self by his, by his collar and say, look, man, <laughs> just, just be cooler. Just be cool. Just relax, man. It's, yeah, it's going to work out better. <laughs> trust me. Just, just be cool instead of so high strung or so brooding or whatever. So, I don't know. Maybe that's wisdom. Hopefully it is. I hope so. I, you know, I, I, th I think it is, but, um, I don't know, I guess with yeah, time, we're older, we'll, we'll be like, we'll yeah, we didn't more. know what the hell we were so. talking about. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I think there's time to addition to our, yeah. uh, end segment here. I usually do oh, right, the yes. three rapid fire questions at the end. So, um, I am ready. You ready for those. You want to start? Uh, don't feel like your answers okay. have to be quick. I mean, they can okay. be if you, you want them to, but I, I say rapid fire, but there's no connotation okay. for it to be rapid. <laughs> All right. So first question is, what are you currently reading and would you recommend uh, it to our listeners? Uh, currently reading? Um, well, shit. Unfortunately, I'm currently reading a whole lot of news and I would not recommend that to, to anybody. <laughs> uh, I will second that. Yes. like a oh, unnecessary anxiety especially especially as a creative uh, you already have enough anxiety trying to make your project but to add on to the yeah, news no, and all that it's, garbage it's not doing me any favors that is for sure nope 
I've had to put a limit on myself. Um, you know, with, so I'm a teacher and we've been teaching, uh, mm-hmm. on zoom. Right. So I'm sure, like pretty yeah. much on a screen all day. Uh, it got to, it got to the point where it's like weekend time. It's like right. uh, no more than an hour on the phone, on the laptop. And it sucks. Cause like, I, I want to sit down and work on my novel, but like, yeah, I, I need to stay off the I internet just cause I'm tired of the, <laughs> the it, pings. <laughs> <laughs> so I totally feel you. That's right. Yeah, Stay off Who the news cares? listeners. Who cares Don't what's watch. Going on. Don't let them manipulate you. <laughs> right. Sure. All right. Uh, question two. What is your favorite meal to prepare and cook? It could be for yourself. It could be for your friends and family. Ah, okay. But you so, have a favorite dish? So typically my my favorite food to, to make is tacos. I, I make I make tacos as, as yeah, many different ways too. as possible. In fact, I've told everybody whenever I whenever I get retired, if if and when that day comes, I'm I'm honestly gonna try to make a, a new taco every day until I get tired of tacos and we'll see how long it goes. Cause I, I love, <laughs> I love, I love tacos. Hopefully so not I'll, that long. I'll, I make them, you know, all yeah. kinds of different ways, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Like I want to make, I want to invent every, every kind of new taco that could possibly be made. So, so yeah, I love, I love making tacos. That's awesome. And just recently, um, uh, my kiddo and I made, uh, like we, we, we sat down and we cooked like our, our first kind of meal together and we made some, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever had them. Uh, it's a chili relleno, which is like a New Mexican dish. It's a, it's a chili, it's like a chili mm-hmm. pepper stuffed yeah. with cheese. And then usually it's battered and fried. Uh, but we made it, you know, instead of frying things, we, we did kind of like a pan fry with panko. And and we, and we did all kinds of like mm. yummy stuff in addition to cheese to stuff inside of it. And we wrapped it in bacon and we did this whole big old production and those things came out great. And it was like just a special time because, you know, it was he and I cooking together like for the first time. So, so that was a, that yeah. was a, a recent meal that was a, one of my favorites that happened during the, during the pandemic time. So it's still fresh in my mind. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. And you got to start young with that kind of stuff. I feel like, um, I don't, not to knock my parents, but I, we didn't really uh-huh. do that stuff until I was a little older. And I feel like I, I feel like if I was younger, I could have had yeah, a little yeah. more it's cooking important. skills I, myself. At the very least, you have to learn how to cook <laughs> what you like. That way, you can always have it. Like that 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 should be you know all sure, a kid needs right. to buy into learning how to cook is like, well, what's your favorite thing to eat? You want to know how to make that so you can have it whenever you want. Uh-huh. Right, and you don't want you don't want like an unbalanced lifestyle right. where you're just living right. on like Easy Mac because right. that's definitely Microwave not healthy. <laughs> Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> maybe on a, like a Friday night. All right, maybe Friday night. That's about it. <laughs> sure. All right. Uh, so last question, and don't feel like this has okay. to be profound, but it can be if you want to. Um, what is one life lesson you want to pass hmm. on to our listeners today? Uh, well, so I think it ties into a lot of of kind of what we talked about in the show earlier. Um, you know, the the idea of success, the idea of compromise. Um, and the idea of like who you want to be as an artist and a creator, um, I, there is, have you, I'm sure that you've seen this, the six word memoir that, um, you know, folks, folks mm-hmm. write these six word memoirs and, and I, I wrote one, uh, and it's kind of like, it's kind of like my motto. Um, and, and you know, it's just keep answering the goddamn bell, um, you know, if if you're a boxer, Love that. even if you're getting beat, if you continually get up 
and every round you answer the bell and you go and fight, you give yourself a chance, you know, to score a knockout at the end. And so if things aren't going your way or if things are going your way, like don't get, don't let either one of those things get you too terribly off balance and just keep answering the bell. Just keep showing up and doing the stuff that you are, are driven and, and motivated to do as well as you can do it. And, and let that kind of take, let whatever happens just kind of take care of itself. Um, I think that's, that's kind of what, what keeps me going um, is just wanting to do more and more and, and focus my efforts where they, they matter the most to me. So. <laughs> that's cool. awesome. I absolutely love that. It's so, it's so Osho too. It's so you. That's great. All right. So where can, uh, where can listeners find you online if they want to reach out, if they want to uh, check out sure. some of your work, they want to buy uh, well, something? Uh, where I've, should they I've got a website. You? It's my name, oshomacreesh.com. And uh, there's like a, um, uh, there's a little contact form on there somewhere uh, like to connect. Um, there's a store there where you can, you can buy all kinds of things, whatever I've got, um, whatever I've got in the house ready to, ready to sell extra books that I've got around to sell are, uh, available on the site there. And then whenever I put out new stuff, um, I got, uh, I, I just finished that, the book of drunk poems. I just finished a, a big audio version of it, which is the thing that I'm tremendously proud of. Um, I had 37 different readers, um, read the 146 poems that are in the book. Uh, and so it's like this three, three disc audio set of all the drunk poems, uh, read by, uh, friends, family, and and fellow writers that I really admire from all over the world. Um, we've got Australian accents and uh, my Swiss friend Bastian and um, this uh, this German gal who's translating some of my work named Claudia. Um, just all kinds of just writing friends and then family and, and regular friends uh, all read poems on the thing. And coming up before too long, I've got a the the novel that i put out chinese gucci um one of the things that i did for the special editions was i made original collages that became the cover of the book and so i made 30 something different uh collages so each one of the hardbacks had its own unique cover um and so and inside of some of the other special editions i made like little collage bookmarks so anyways, this book coming out at the end of November is uh, it's a collection of all of the collage and all of the bookmarks that I made. Um, so you can see what I got up to you know, uh, in my first and that was my first like really giant um, collage project. Uh, I was relatively new to collage and had been only been doing it for about a year when I got the idea to to, to make hardback covers with their own. You know, each book's got its own kind of cover thing and. And that was a really rewarding way to, to put out my first novel. So, so yeah, that's how, that's how that happened. And um, anyways, that'll be out at the end of, end of November. So pop on by, say hello, check out whatever, you know, watch little animations from the drunk palms. There's, there's lots of stuff to look around and entertain yourself with, I hope. So. Definitely. And listeners, I highly recommend yeah. the animations. They were very entertaining. Um, and I'm definitely gonna have to score one of those hardbacks. Yeah, that know, sounded the, awesome. Uh, <laughs> you said the, end the, end of November for that. The, the book that's coming out, it, it's actually a the collage uh, project book 
the one that collects all of those things the the original collage covers themselves those are those came out like when the novel was for sale two years ago so those are all long gone but um but the book that collects all of the art with a kind of it's got a, a introduction a couple pages introduction explaining you know a lot about the how i arrived at arrived at making those Project covers itself. and then and then you get to see all the collage yeah that's it's yeah. just like more like a an art book or like a photo book like you'd you'd find on you know some swanky you know some swanky table at a at a you know uh, at some <laughs> kind of new york apartment with you know cocktails and and influencers <laughs> or something it's yeah like an art book kind of thing and yeah that's coming out at the end of end of november there so but that's that's it's like a paperback. Uh, it's, awesome. I think I, I might I might hand make some, yeah, sure. some uh, hardbacks if I can. I'll have to talk to my bookmaking buddies and see have them remind me how to do it and see if I've got see if I've got enough to do it around here. <laughs> I might, but yeah, we'll see. Awesome. Cool. I'm definitely gonna have to snag awesome. one of those, so I will be in touch. <laughs> All right, Osho, it's been it's been real. This was a really great conversation. Man, I can't um, thank you enough. Thanks for, for coming on the on show, man. And, and thanks, of course, to Ben for for connecting us. Uh, and best of luck, best of luck with your novel, man. Just yeah. keep just keep answering the goddamn bell. You'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Listen to the bell. Cool. Good talking to you. All right, man. Be well. Yep. Later. Hey guys, just one more quick thing before you take off. Um, I wanted to take a second to express my sincere gratitude for your time and your attention. It's appreciated way more than you realize. Um, if you'd like to support our cause and what we're doing here at Betterism, there's a few ways you could do that. Um, you could share, rate, or review the show. Um, it's available wherever you get podcasts. You can join our blog and contribute some of your wisdom to our growing family. Or if you're able to, you can donate or subscribe any amount to paypal.me slash bingbang. That link is in the show notes. Um, thanks again so much for your time, and I hope you have a great day. Well, that's it, friends. Thanks for tuning in. I hope to swing through again. If you'd like to reach out, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at medium.com slash betterism. Be better at whatever it is you're building. And remember, friends, stay learning. <laughs>